My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are facing many different struggles, talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I'll be speaking with Shira Taylor and Lauren Chang. Good sex ed can be hard to find. Sure, there's at least some minimal version of it in schools in most Canadian jurisdictions, but generally speaking, most visibly in Ontario after the new Conservative government's decision to revert to curriculum from the 1990s, but in lots of other parts of the country too, sex ed that is evidence-based, comprehensive, grounded in what youth actually need and want to know, organized decisively around consent, honest about pleasure as well as about risk, and vigorously relevant to the experiences of queer and trans people, is pretty rare. Though struggles to make such material universally available remain to be won, today's guests talk about a novel approach to producing and delivering sex ed that attempts to address at least some of that need. Shira Taylor is the creator and director of Sex Education by Theatre, which goes by the acronym SEXT. She's also a doctoral student in public health at University of Toronto. For a long time as a student, she studied primarily science, while also being very active extracurricularly in theatre and other aspects of the arts. She loved them both, but never thought she would find a way to combine them. Then, after doing a master's degree in epidemiology and feeling dissatisfied with the detached population-level approach that it required, she came up with a very different idea for the focus of her doctoral work. She proposed a youth-driven, peer-education approach to sex ed using theatre, dance, and music. In 2014, after getting the various academic and institutional approvals necessary for such a project, Taylor started working with students in a Toronto high school in a predominantly working-class, racialized, and immigrant neighbourhood. It's a largely South Asian Muslim area, but has students from many other backgrounds as well. Lauren Chang was one of the students who responded to Taylor's request for participants. And though she's a university student now, she's still involved as a cast member of Sext, and she sometimes raps under the name Ms. G. The project started off with ten workshops for the youth who wanted to take part, all on topics related to sexuality that the youth themselves determined. Through the following summer, they all worked to put a play together, using theatre of the oppressed and other approaches to doing theatre for social change. The scenes in the play span the range from the whimsical and the humorous to the deeply painful and serious. They talk about everything from condoms and consent to domestic violence and coming out as queer. Along with being very participatory and emerging as much as possible from youth experiences and youth direction, it's also a priority for Sext to be a space where questions of culture and questions of sexuality are understood as enriching and informing one another. Even Taylor was surprised by the level of enthusiasm among youth for this kind of initiative, both participants and youth who attended performances. So what was originally envisioned as a short-term project became something much bigger. Early on, they took the play to a couple of major Ontario festivals, the Toronto Fringe and Summerworks, and again had a great response. 
Then the Ministry of Education under the former Liberal government facilitated a tour focused on students in the Toronto area. And more recently, the Canadian Foundation for AIDS Research, or CANFAR, funded a national tour that reached over 4,000 youth. Support from CANFAR has also allowed Sext to begin producing some online resources. This includes their first music video, Bodak Consent, a parody of Cardi B's Bodak Yellow with the lyrics rewritten and rapped by Chang. Membership in the troupe and the play itself continue to evolve, and future touring and further videos are in the works. I speak with Taylor and Chang about their approach to sex ed, about theater for social change, and about the ongoing work of sex education by theater. My name is Shira Taylor, and I'm the creator and director of SEXT, which stands for Sex Education by Theater. Hi, I'm Lauren, and I'm a cast member of SEXT, and my rap alter ego is Miss G, who stars in the Bodak Consent video. SEXT is a peer education, sexual health workshop and performance program. I started SEXT as my doctoral thesis. I'm doing my PhD in public health at the University of Toronto. For me, I've always felt torn between two worlds. From when I was very young, I was doing musical theater competitions and always loved performing. And then in school, I was always really focused on sciences. And for a long time, I thought those two had to be separate. I did my undergrad at Queen's University in psychology science, but I was always performing, performing, performing on the side. And when I was in my first year, there was a performance that was put on during the orientation week. They take all these new students and they put them in a room. And there's a performance by second year students that's touching on kind of all the things that you're going through. Everything from doing laundry away from home for the first time to diversity and mental health and sexual health. And I was really moved by that performance. So that was my first introduction to social action theater or art for social change, because I never realized that performing, which I love so much, could be used for this type of goal. And that's what I based sexed off of. For my master's, I studied epidemiology, which is statistics for health research. And I became a little bit disenchanted because I found that even though I was studying mental health in my master's, I wasn't actually talking to people. So based on kind of all of those experiences, I had this idea for sex as a public health intervention. And I really wanted to start earlier than university, because by the time youth are getting to university, it'd be nice if they already understood consent and they already knew how to protect themselves. So I kind of adapted the model that I learned in university to a high school setting. And that's what I pitched to U of T as my PhD thesis. And thankfully, they were on board. And I really wanted to create a program that would put the voices of youth from communities where talking about sex is cultural taboo center stage. I started sex in the Thorncliffe Flemingdon Park community of Toronto, which is a new immigrant community with the majority South Asian Muslim population. And I was really interested in a view of sex education that would see culture as enriching the sexual health conversation, as opposed to as a barrier to talking about these things, which is how it's often portrayed. So I started in 2014. I first went into the community, into the high school. I knew a social worker who was working there. So I said, would it be possible to speak to a girl's gym class? 
So I was about like a minute into my pitch of, you know, using dance, theater, music to talk about these issues. And there was one young woman in the class who shot her hand up. And I said, oh, do you have a question? And she was like, no, I just really want to do this. And then all the youth in the class were really excited about this idea. I went away, went through the terrible process of getting ethics approval for a project like this. And then I came back and I was really moved by the youth response. Originally, I, I was hoping for 10 peer educators and everyone said to me, okay, they're teenagers. This is a quote, priority neighborhood. They're going to drop out on you. You should take 15. You'll be lucky if you end up with like five to seven kids at the end. So I took 15 youth at the start and I actually finished the play with 19 youth. Youth dedication to the project was amazing. Yeah, so I found sex when Shira came to our art class and pitched the idea. And I was like, okay, cool. I'd like to perform. That seems like something I'd like to do. So I went to the audition and I did that. And then once I learned a little bit more about what sex was about, I thought that it was really important because my own sex education in grade nine was like a diagram of the vagina and the penis. And like, that was it. There was no talk about consent, nothing about actually how to navigate through these types of situations in real life. So once I started actually getting involved with the program, I realized how important this was to me. We did 10 workshops and then we devised a play as a group. Our first performance was for other youth in the community, for their peers. And it was during that performance where I realized, okay, this is something special. It was supposed to just be this four-month program for my thesis, but I realized it can't end here. So that's when we applied for some theater festivals. So we actually got accepted to the Toronto Fringe and SummerWorks Theater Festivals, which are two major theater festivals in Canada. We had great runs at those theater festivals. We got a lot of positive press and reviews. And since then, the play has developed and evolved. Eventually, the Ministry of Education got interested, and we were able to do a tour for students in the greater Toronto area. And then most recently, the Canadian Foundation for AIDS Research, CANFAR, has come on as our partner, and they've really helped us reach so many more youth across the country with this recent national tour and now these music videos. We recently just came off a national tour where we reached 4,000 high school students in reserves and high schools across Ontario and Saskatchewan. And Bodak Consent is our first music video release. So we're really excited about that. The rap that I wrote, Bodak Consent, is about my ideas of some of these topics. Like I'm in university now in my second year. And every time I try and go out with my friends clubbing, someone always has to come back being touched where they don't want to be touched. And I'm just, I'm, I'm sick of having those experiences every time. I'm sick of always trying to reacting to the experience when I think that we should be doing more work to prevent these things from happening and having more of these types of conversations. And Lauren, what do you like about the theatrical approach to doing education around sexuality and consent and so on? Well, I think what's cool about the theater approach is that you can model different situations in sort of like a safe way. It's a good way of looking at situations before you actually have to be in them. So, for example, in our song, some guy is grinding up on the girl and she doesn't like it. And we can ask questions about what is she going to do? What are her friends going to do? What are the bystanders in the situation going to do? And I think that's a really good way of facing these challenges and being educated about these things before we have to jump into them. Also, it's just really fun. What did you mean when you said that you were keen to use culture to enrich the work of sext? 
In Ontario, in 2015, the sex ed curriculum was updated for the first time since 1998. And there was a lot of backlash in the community. And what we found was the media was often using certain new immigrant groups and religious groups as scapegoats when it came to these protests about this curriculum reform. The curriculum was updated to include things outside of biology. So really, people don't not use condoms, for example, because they don't know that condoms are a thing. There's so many social pressures, right? So it's impossible to talk about sexual health, in my opinion, without talking about your background, your home life, your culture, your beliefs, your politics. You have to bring in all these holistic human components. Interestingly, just in the last month or so, with the new incoming conservative government, they've now pulled that updated curriculum and reverted back to 1998. The research clearly shows that to protect the youth, really knowledge is power. And talking about sex does not make youth more likely to have sex. And like Lauren was saying, methods that are fun, that are engaging, that are open, non-judgmental, comprehensive, that's what leads to concrete behavior change. Also, the way that theater engages people intellectually and emotionally, that's another way that leads to behavior change. So in our group, in order to talk about these topics, we need to bring in discussions of religion and culture and what they're learning at home and what they're seeing in society. So we welcome those discussions and we welcome that into the narrative. And for example, we have one scene in the show. It's actually another one of Lauren's raps. We have about 11 different countries of origin represented in our group. So each youth shares a traditional dance and the traditional outfit from their country. And then Lauren comes in at the end and she starts rapping while everyone's dancing together. And she talks about finding your identity in Canada. Yeah, so I'm Jamaican Chinese. For me, growing up as a Canadian, but also as someone whose family is from Jamaica and from Hong Kong, it's kind of hard to figure out where you fit into all that because you have these influences from your culture, but you're also growing up in a culture that may tell you something different. And it's hard to figure out where your identity lies and also what culture accepts you because yes, I'm Canadian, but people like you look at me and you know that my background's from somewhere else. And yes, I'm Chinese, but the Chinese people know that I'm not from China and I don't speak as fluent as they do. And they know I'm from somewhere else too. So just kind of try and figure out your own identity, forge your own place in where we are in Canada. Exactly. And what we do is we bring these discussions into discussions of, you know, how women dress, what religion you're worshiping, how that dictates how you date, how you interact with romantic partners, how you identify in the world. Another example is we have a scene on homophobia. And the way we frame the scene is we have a youth talking to their parent and we have the thoughts. So there's someone representing the youth and then someone representing what they're actually thinking and someone representing the parent and then what the mom's actually thinking. And we have the mom in the scene. She wears the hijab and she speaks in Urdu, which is the language commonly spoken in Pakistan, where a majority of our youth are from. So when youth in the audience see that scene and they hear the mom's thoughts in Urdu, immediately there's this sense of relation. A lot of times there's this feeling that the sex ed that I'm getting doesn't really relate to me because they don't understand what my home life is like. And then once you create that sense of relation, I think you can open up much deeper conversations. People feel way more comfortable talking about what's really going on with them and what they're really struggling with. So we use different methods like that to welcome culture into the discussion. 
And I think that good sex ed is a place where multiple and sometimes conflicting ideologies, beliefs, religions can all coexist as long as there's a mutual respect. Tell me more about the play specifically and the kinds of things that you try to do with it. At the very forefront, it's a youth empowerment approach. So we see youth as experts on their own lives, especially me as an outsider coming into the community. Yes, I'm a sex educator. Yes, I know theater. But I don't know the youth's realities, right? So right from the first time we met, I mean, even the topics of the workshops, those were chosen by the youth themselves. For example, because it's a religious community and often a conservative community, the issue of how women dress, that was very important to the young women in the cast. So we dedicated a whole workshop to talking about that. And what's also really neat, which is kind of rare when it comes to sex education, is, is we have a mixed gender approach. All genders are welcome. So it's really interesting because young men hearing young women speak about what they're struggling with, it creates a new level of empathy. One example, when I was doing a focus group after the play for my research with an audience member, and the young man was talking about how him and his friends refer to girls they find hot as like beef. So a young woman in the focus group, I, I'm not going to repeat all the things she said, but she had a pretty strong response to that. And that was so powerful because that's not me, this 30-year-old sex educator saying, oh, you shouldn't say that, right? That's one of their peers saying, no, this isn't okay. And what I thought was really beautiful was his response. You saw the wheels turn in his head. And then his response was, huh, I never thought about that. I just say it because my cousins say it. I'm never going to say that again. I think at the end of the day, like when we're talking about consent, a lot of times people just don't know. They're just modeling what they're seeing around them in the, our culture. This isn't something that's youth specific, but I think we can intervene at an, at an earlier stage. Our play is also a mixture of serious. So we have one scene that's based on one cast member's experience with domestic violence. They're never forced to, but when youth are comfortable, we do try to create a safe space where they can share their experiences and heal using the arts. Youth are connecting to these personal stories, but it's not all serious. Our opening number is the song, you've probably heard of the song Let It Go from Frozen. So we sing Let It Flow, which is about getting your period, and Let It Grow about getting an erection in math class. We have Beyonce teaching the 10 steps to putting on a condom. We have Captain Condom and Hipster Herpes and CrossFit Chlamydia. So it's a mixture of these short scenes on these topics, and they're all presented by young people. And it's really neat because young people in the audience see people who look like them, who listen to the same music, who rock the same dance moves. We have a scene where one of our cast members does a poem called Prayers to God. It's like talking to God about why she's gay and why there's so many problems that come from that. Like, why doesn't her family support her? Why does something that feels right, why is it treated as being so wrong? And it's just so raw and emotional. And every time I see it, I'm so inspired by the honesty that's in it. And like once in a while, we all tear up because it's coming from such a place of truth. And I feel like everyone can understand that. Are there particular traditions of theatre that you're drawing on in doing this work? The most well-known is forum theatre, theatre of the oppressed, where usually you create a scene of some sort, and then you invite non-actors, so spectators, to come in and change the scene. That's kind of the theatrical theory behind a lot of this work. 
I definitely draw from that theory. But what I learned very early on that despite your best intentions, you have to be adaptable when you're doing this work. So for example, at the beginning, when we would do these workshops, we would have a workshop, I would do some education, we would have a group discussion, and then the youth would have the chance to break off and come up with skits, songs, raps, dances to represent the material. So I learned very early on that there are some topics that you just should not give youth free reign to come up with a scene about. I learned that for certain topics, I take a far more structured approach. And for the Bodak Consent video, that was a spin-off of a Theater of the Oppressed workshop where we basically froze in a tableau and it was a party scene. And someone was acting non-consensually at the party. And then the youth had the opportunity to come in and change the scene. You're looking at different roles like Lauren mentioned. So, you know, if, if someone's touching me and I don't want to be touched, how do I react? But also really importantly, how do bystanders at the party react? How can we respond to create a culture of consent around us in our spaces? So I was able to use that kind of slow tableau method to explore that. And then it ultimately led to the choreography for this music video. So I wouldn't say it's a one-size-fits-all approach using the theater, but I think just through learning and making mistakes, I've been able to find out what types of theater activities work when tackling specific topics. Tell me about making the Bodak Consent music video. I was hanging out with my friends and I was like, everyone knows the words to Bodak Yellow. And I thought that was so cool because it's one of the first songs by a female rapper that we just all knew. And I was like, okay, cool. How can I talk about consent using this song? I know that consent's usually framed as a super serious topic, but I want to do more of a fun and empowering take on it. Because when I'm performing as Miss G with those lyrics, I feel like I'm in charge of what I want to do with my body when I want to do with my body. It's like the first couple lyrics. Listen up, you're not touching me unless I want you to. And I was really excited. And then I heard we could do a video and I was like, oh my gosh, I was kind of nervous, but I was pretending to be like, okay, cool. I'm going to be a real rapper or whatever. So I come in on the day and they have like a girl to do my hair and a girl to do my makeup. And I'm like, oh my God. My mom's like, oh, you're like a real movie star. And I'm like, oh my (laughs) God. And then I'm in every scene and I have to do this choreo sit and try and look cool while I'm rapping and in my head the whole time I'm like oh I don't look cool at all but I can look whatever you know what we're gonna sell this as much as we can do and it was such a cool process and it's really exciting too because I try and invite local artists to contribute so my friend Elena Watko she directed it We brought in a choreographer, Raf Bereton. So it's fun to be able to bring in local artists who are able to contribute. It's really exciting because I'm finding that local artists are getting more excited about art for social change initiatives, and they really want to be involved. So by Canbar giving us the partnership and the funding for this music video, we're able to bring in different artists and really elevate the profile of this work. So from what I understand, one kind of outside pressure that sex ed initiatives face is that there's often more space and legitimacy given to talking about risk and sexuality than there is to talking about pleasure and sexuality. And obviously it's important to talk about risk, but in some instances that pressure can really distort the conversation to the point of making it stigmatizing and oppressive. How does sext navigate those pressures and the tensions that result? I always say that sex takes a sex-positive approach. 
But I clarify that because when a lot of people hear sex positive, they think that's pro-sex. And it's not. A sex positive approach, at least the way that I frame it for sex, is that we don't stigmatize anything. Traditionally, the view of sex ed has been adults curating knowledge for youth from a moral standpoint. So it's this idea that to protect the youth, the adults need to curate what the youth are allowed to know. But all of the research shows that that's undermining youth agency, and it's just really out of touch. A sex-positive approach, at least how I conceive it, is not saying you should be having sex. Actually, for someone who's chosen not to, it's really empowering them in their decision. It's not about promoting sex. It's also not about scaring people. The whole idea of scaring people assumes that youth are rational actors and that they value health over other things. But to be honest, for some youth, yes, maybe having sex without a condom might put me at risk of HIV, but it also might make my partner think I'm not cool. And we have to realize that for some youth, that social aspect, that fear of not being cool, might be stronger than this fear of getting an STI. So in that way, the fear-based approach really isn't always all that effective, and it also makes sex ed feel out of touch. Those feelings that you get when you have a crush on someone, those butterflies, like those are fun feelings, right? So a lot of kids can't see themselves in this fear-based approach to sex because that idea is very out of touch with, oh, that crush you have on a girl in your class, that feels nice. So I think it's absolutely paramount to bring in discussions of pleasure and discussions of the positive aspects of sex, because also people who associate sex with shame are actually more likely to engage in riskier behaviors. And it's also more likely to have a negative effect on their mental health and their sense of identity, which again, in a vicious cycle, people who don't feel good about themselves and who are struggling mental health wise are also more likely to make risky decisions. So if you look at the research, an open, non-judgmental, sex-positive approach is actually most effective at educating youth. And, you know, talking to kids about being gay does not make kids gay. Talking to kids about sex does not make kids have sex. But I mean, it is important for them to know the risks. We treat youth as very capable of making their own decisions. When you remove the shame and the guilt then youth are able to feel good in their own skin and are able actually to make better decisions for themselves from a more confident place. So what does Sext have coming up in the next while? We have our, our music video out, Bodak Consent, which we're very excited about. And then our next music video, Tunnel Vision, will be out in the next month or so. And then funded by the Canadian Foundation for AIDS Research, CANFAR, we're actually going to embark on another national tour to areas of Canada most affected by HIV. So we're really excited about the opportunity to tour the show more widely. And we're excited to spread our message online now because this is really exciting to be able to reach a broader audience. You have been listening to my interview with Shira Taylor and Lauren Chang of Sex Education by Theatre, or SEXT. To learn more about their work, go to sexeducationbytheater.com. That's sexeducationbytheater.com. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. 
On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. Thank you.